A question for you. Who likes a bit of pomp and ceremony? Two of us, three. Okay, I'm sure I've got more British in my blood than I really want to let on. Because I love a bit of pomp and ceremony, you know, brass bands, marching bands, soldiers with shiny boots and brass and big bear head hats or whatever they call them, flags and banners, all that waving stuff, you know, rural Britannia. There's a a season in in London where they call the proms and I often like to get on YouTube and watch the last night of the proms where they, if you want pomp and ceremony, you've got pomp and ceremony because the Brits do it so well. I think if there was an Olympic event for pomp and ceremony, there would only be one team in it because all the rest would have given up years ago because it would always be won by Britain. They do it very well. Can I get that first slide up? Thanks, EJ. Oh, there, oh, we're up. There we are. There's a bit of pomp and ceremony, isn't it? That's what we're talking about. Red-jacketed guards and flags and banners. And this isn't working. No. I've got green. There we are. That's what it's all about, isn't it? In the middle, the lovely lady with a smile. And wouldn't you be smiling too if they were doing all that for you? Three cheers for the Queen. Hip, hip, hurrah. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Oh, I'll have to keep working on that one. But isn't that wonderful? Look at that, all those soldiers. There'd be people lining up there everywhere. And they do it so well. When uh, Sandy and I were in London we managed to get along to a changing of the guards. Now, it's not quite as fancy as that because it's something they do two or three times a week, weather permitting and military permitting. And uh, so if we could just have that YouTube clip, give you a little bit of an idea of what it's like. Hopefully, there we go. Look at that. I love the guy at the front. How'd you like that? Left turn, gentlemen. (laughs) On your way. Wonderful. In they go into the palace, through the palace gates. All by gum, isn't that wonderful? Three cheers for the Queen. Hip, hip, hurrah! Hip, hip, hurrah! Hip, hip, hurrah! That's magnificent. Unfortunately, the day we went there, it still wasn't even as grand as that one either because they've changed into their winter uniform, which is a very drab grey. Nice, big, thick, heavy coat to keep them warm, but doesn't look half as good. And the incoming guard didn't even have big bear hats on. They only had caps. 
But still, we were there, and it was a, still a, a quite an amount of pomp and ceremony to be had. So what happens is, you've got Buckingham Palace here, St. James Palace over here, and Wellington Barracks over here. So the outgoing guard all, all line up, and sometimes they have a band, sometimes they don't, depending on the military. So then they mar march from St. James down the mall to... Oop, go back, we don't want this one yet. And, um, yeah, they come down that part of that there, march into the parade ground in front of Buckingham Palace. Similar time from Wellington Barracks, the incoming guard march along Birdcage Terrace or something, again, in through the gates, and then they do their changeover of guards little ceremony, and then they march back to their barracks again. All very wonderful. Great thing to see and be a part of. And if you want any tips, instead of waiting for a couple of hours with your face stuck in the fence, because the, guard, the, the guide that we had said, uh, you stand there, they stand there and do nothing for about half an hour, and then they walk back out again. So there's timings and things you can get to see all of it, all of it different times, so let me know and I'll put you in the right direction. But um, as I said, our changing of guard had a little bit of pomp, certainly had a lot of ceremony and tradition, and that's another thing our Brits, or any, any Brits here this morning, I just want to clarify that I'm not really poking fun at the Brits because I love pomp and ceremony. Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Three cheers for Pam. Hip hip hurrah. Hip hip hurrah. Hip hip hurrah. <laughs> Are you a pom? Oh, there you go. Marcel's not here. We're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you this morning. I just want to clarify that. Yeah, because I like a bit of pomp and ceremony. But there seems to be way more ceremony and tradition than practical benefit. Now, I mean no disrespect to the servicemen and women who take part in that because they are all trained service members of the British forces and most of them have served in different areas of war throughout the world. You don't mess with them. If you want to see what happens, go on YouTube and put um, don't mess with the Queen's Guard or something because if you stood in front of those guys... They walk over the top of you, then they tell you to move out of the way of the Queen's guards. Or they will shove a bayonet in your face and tell you to move away from the Queen's guards. It's quite funny to watch. And they do take it seriously. But it does seem to be a lot of pomp and ceremony. And as I said, if there's one thing that the Brits like, is a whole bucket load of pomp and ceremony and tradition. Isn't that true, Pam? Yes, thank you. Good. I do. I think, as I said, I think there's more British blood in me that I'd care to admit. I've been sticking on to my Irish and Scottish blood for a long time, but I think I've got more Brit. See, the guard has been changing since 1689, so you wouldn't want to change that, would you? We've been doing it for a long time. But the reality is, you may notice not in that picture, but on our clip, a huge band and a small number of soldiers. I find that a bit fascinating, but the reason probably is because 
one time there was only six guards guarding Buckingham Palace. Now Buckingham Palace sits on 30, some 30 something acres and these guys stand in their little box and that's what they do. Hmm. Six guards. Another odd thing that heads right up there in tradition is where they marched in there to Buckingham Palace isn't actually the front gate. The front gate is 1.5 kilometres away. You head up the mall to Trafalgar Square, turn right into Whitehall and it's on your right, you can't miss it. Can we get that one now, EJ, please, the gate? That is the front gate of Buckingham Palace, 1.5 kilometres away from the palace. You can also walk through the lovely St James Park and in through the back door and wander around. Mere mortals like me can go anywhere in there. And they have four guards. As you can see, you might be able to see each side there's two guards. That's the house guards on their horses. And I've only just noticed there is one guy standing there in the middle. He comes out every now and then to check that everything's okay and then he walks back in again. And on your right, behind there, is a guard who's looking after the stable, which is obviously a very important job. Now, when you think the main gate has four guards and the palace only has six, that doesn't seem quite right, does it? So when state officials, royalty or heads of state, come to have a cup of tea with the Queen they drive through that gate. They have to show their identity and they have to give a gift to prove who they are. This is serious stuff. It's been going on for years. So I think President Trump is going to see the Queen sometime next year or something. He will drive in through those gates. Some guard will stop him, have a look at his ID have a look at the, the uh, gift that he's brought. Yep, you must be the president. No one else could afford something like that. So in you go. Now, this is again serious pomp and ceremony. The Queen herself on state occasions like opening Parliament comes out of Buckingham Palace, up the mall, right turn into House Guards Road, comes in the back, back entrance and out, out through there and off to Parliament. After Parliament, she reverses the procedure and goes back in again. Three cheers for the Queen. Hebep. 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 I'll make royalists out of you yet. I think we've got to get a bit more enthusiastic. Now, I don't know about you, but... Six guards at the palace, a kilometre and a half away, another four. I'm not real sure whether if I was the queen, no, I think I'd rather be the king. I would be real confident in that. As I said, they're highly trained soldiers. There's no, no problem there, but it leaves a lot of gaps around the perimeter. But don't fear... The Brits have got it covered. Next slide, please. This is Lawrence. 
Lawrence gave us a personal tour of the Tower of London. The other 50 people probably thought they had a personal tour as well. Lawrence is a yeoman warder and he works at the Tower of London. A part-time job of his is being, on official occasions, the Queen's bodyguard. Now, that's the yeoman guards goes back some 700 years to a bloke we might have heard of called William the Conqueror. Who's done their history lesson? Yeah, we all, some of us know about William the Conqueror. So um, there's some 700 years tradition there. And Lawrence is, I think he was the 342nd, I think something like that, wasn't it? Guard since William the Conqueror. So it's a very privileged position. Not just anyone can be one. And don't be put off by the big smile and funny uniform. And yes, it is a uniform, not a costume. And no, I didn't ask that question. Someone else in the tour did. And he had to explain that it wasn't a costume. It is actually a uniform. He took up his role as a yeoman guard after 23 years of distinguished service in the army. And he is the first black beef eater, is their nickname, first black beef eater in history. He was born in Lewisham in southeast London. He served uh, the British Army in Northern Ireland, Germany, Bosnia, Iraq, Afghanistan. And outside work, he enjoys uh, skydiving, boxing, mixed martial arts, and is a keen photographer. So I'm figuring if you attack the Queen, he can parachute in, jump on you, beat the living daylights out of you, and then take a picture of you to give to the police. So he's right the man that we need. Now, as I said... Don't be put off by his day-to-day -day look. Next slide, please. Because when he's on official guard duty, he looks like this. Now, wouldn't that scare you? Admittedly, he does have a sword and a big stick. And again, admittedly, that is a pointy stick. But again, that might have been all right for William the Conqueror. Because to have uh, sort of knocked off someone like him, you've got to get pretty close, don't you? For my liking, I think I'd rather something like the next couple of guys. We've got the next one, EJ. They look a bit more like someone who's going to look after me if I was royalty, don't they? What about these next lean, mean fighting machines? Look at these next two guys. That's more like it, isn't it? Now, as I said, no disrespect to the yeoman warders and as being bodyguards because each one of them has had to have uh, been in the British services for 22 years, have an um, impeccable record. They have to have reached at least the rank of uh, a warrant officer or senior non-commissioned officer. So they're no slouches. But there's still a lot of pomp and ceremony Ceremony goes on with it all. Not really practical in the real life of terrorists. 
there's the odd nutter around the place and the odd drunk that finds himself in Buckingham Palace and wants to go to the toilet and have a chat to the Queen. True story. You can look it up on Google. Obviously got past the six guards in Buckingham Palace and the four at the gate. Can I share just a bit more about my holiday before I get on to my sermon? That'd be all right? We visited a number of castles and palaces and the first one we visited was a place in Vienna called... Sch I'll, I'll say it wrong, I'll say all of these wrong. Ask Sandy about correct pronunciation. Schonbrunn something. Palace, have a look at this. Now, that's the palace in the foreground... That's probably about half of the backyard you can see in the back. Quite an elaborate establishment. Rather gobsmacking. Show the next slide, thanks, EJ. That's the ballroom of this place. Talk about pomp. I've got my meaning for pomp here somewhere. Where did I do with it? Pomp, stately display of ostent or an ostentatious show or display. I think that nearly comes under that, doesn't it? Amazing places. This palace is actually the summer residence, or was, I think it still is, isn't it, of the, some sort of royalty in Austria, built in the 16th century. And... It's the summer palace for the royal family at that time because they wanted to get away from the terrible winter. But what I really can't work out is the winter palace is 6.5 kilometres away, about a 20-minute taxi ride. Um, so I think that shows us even more how ostentatious their display is of having a palace that size so close to each other. Interesting going through these places, you hear all the history which I've forgotten most of and what queen and king did this and which queen and king killed this one so their son could be the next royal and all this type of stuff. And as you go through them, you go through rooms where king or queen such and such was born and grew up and we went through Kensington Palace where Queen Victoria was born and grew up and we have a, I have a picture of her toys that she used to play with. She was surrounded with wealth, power, honour and glory. Somewhere on the line of the royalty to become king or queen of their nation, these people. Their life is a life of pomp and ceremony and tradition. Tomorrow we celebrate in true Christian tradition the birth of Christ. What a contrast to the birth of European royalty. Have that next slide, please, EJ. Born the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yet no castle, no palace, no pomp and ceremony. In the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says... Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of 
Herod the king, behold, a wise man from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The wise men of the east went to Jerusalem. Possibly rightly so, because that's where the king lived, that's where the palace was. Where else are you going to find a newborn king? Certainly wouldn't be in Bethlehem. But they searched the king when he heard about this new king. He got his uh, people to search. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for, this is what, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who, shall, who will shepherd my people Israel. Bethlehem? No, couldn't be. No palaces, no grand buildings. It's perhaps a bakery because after all it does mean the house of bread. But no royal baby, surely not. Not in Bethlehem. Don't look there for the new king, unless, of course, you're a wise man. No pomp, no ceremony, no royal lineage. Well, not to the casual observer. A man with a pregnant wife comes to town amid a national census. Not noticeable to anybody, let alone being royalty. A humble young couple, a carpenter from up north. Royalty? No way. Someone check the records. Well, Matthew 1.1 1, 1 says, The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Luke 2.4 says something very similar. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. We're talking about King David, not just any David, but still no pomp, no ceremony. The guest list to come and visit this new king. Well, King Herod would have to be on the top of the list. After all, he is a king himself. No. What about the Roman governor? The high priests? The Pharisees and Sadducees? No. The mayor of Bethlehem? No. Not even the local baker got an invite to the birth of Christ. Luke chapter 2, reading from verse 8. Now they're in the same country, shepherds living out of the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, 
I bring you good tidings of great joy, which we will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. A little diversion, if I may. I watched an article on YouTube or something the other day by a messianic rabbi. And he was standing in a spot where him and others believe the shepherds were that, uh, that had the angels appear to them. And he said they weren't just ordinary shepherds. This is putting his argument, I guess, or his thought. They were actually the shepherds that looked after the sheep that gave birth to the lambs that were used for sacrifices in the temple. So these shepherds, when the, the, the sheep was about to give birth, would take the, take the sheep to a... They had caves or places nearby where they would take them in. The sheep would give, give birth and immediately they would wrap this little lamb in swaddling clothes because they had to keep it perfect because it was a perfect sacrifice. I wonder what they thought when they walked into that manger and they saw this little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. I wonder if they knew that that little baby was the perfect sacrifice for all mankind. Don't know, wasn't there. We'll go back to our scripture. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. Oh, we have got some pomp and ceremony at last in the birth of Christ. I reckon that would come under the classification of pomp and ceremony, wouldn't you? A host of angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. The place where Jesus was born. No palace or castle, no grandeur, no elite doctor or royal nanny. No bodyguard in stockings to be found. Certainly no stately or ostentatious show or display. Possibly a cave used to shelter animals. At best, a room in a Middle Eastern house that was used to feed animals that had a, a manger in it. Certainly not the sort of place fit for a king. Would you agree? Christmas as we see it today is far removed from that first Christmas day. Tonight we'll be watching the carols in Melbourne because our daughter, son-in-law and grandson will be there so we hopefully will get a wave to them. Wonderful carol if you like carols and all that. I'm sure most of us do. Tune in about 8 o'clock on Channel 9, I think it is. We have carols, we have family and friends, plenty of food and Lots of fun. Leading up to it, the shopping and presents and all that sort of stuff. 
Yesterday we were waiting outside Telstra, as you do. And the nativity scene is just there near the entrance to the mall. And it was actually the first time in years I've ever seen anyone interact with that nativity scene, which was nice. So one family had their, you know, how do they do that finger thing? I don't know, the, the kids are in front of the nativity scene. A little while later, a lady with a little girl came, oh, look at the little baby and all this and that. And very nice. But all these things of our Christmas hide the fact that Jesus came into a broken world full of sin and suffering. The Creator did not come in anger or judgment, but in the shape of a tiny, helpless baby. Philippians 2, 6 and 7 says, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. We were singing earlier about the reckless love of God. How reckless and vulnerable is that for God to come as a baby? God's intentions towards our rebellious world couldn't have been made clearer. He came as a gift of hope and love to a world that didn't know him and wasn't looking for him. In John 8, verse 12, Jesus says to his disciples, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but it will have the light of life. Amen. But you know something in Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16, he passes the baton on to his disciples. You are the light of the world. A city is not Set on a, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We this morning have been given the job to shine the light into our lost world. Our world today, like the time of Christ's birth, is just as broken, still full of sin and suffering. I generally avoid watching the news on Christmas Day because when so many of us can have such great celebrations and have a good time, they just throw out the world's suffering, still showing the world's sin and the brokenness of our world. May we this Christmas and the year ahead shine the light of hope and love of Christ to a world that doesn't know him and isn't looking for him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful love towards each and every one of us. Lord, we, can, we do get caught up in, in the, I guess, the festive season. But I thank you, Lord, that we can be reminded of what it really means 
that you came as a, a vulnerable little child into this world. And we thank you that you did. Father, I don't know why you decided that you would hand the baton of being the light to the world onto us. But you have. And Father, we pray that this Christmas season and the year ahead, we would be ever mindful of that. That, that like when Jesus came into the world, it is still a lost, still a broken, still a selfish and sinful world. Thank you, Lord, that you would give us thoughts, ideas, strategies of how to shine that light in our community, wherever that may be. And Father, we just think at this time of the many throughout the world who have a Christian faith who cannot come openly like we are this morning. And celebrate the birth of their Lord and Saviour. We thank you that your hand is continually upon them. And at this time they would, they would sense even more your love and your strength in their lives. Father, we pray for those that need healing this morning. The, the, I know there's many in our congregation have, have uh, physical problems, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your great healing as you will bring healing this Christmas and this new year. Father, there's many other issues we know of. We thank you, Lord, that with your guidance, with your strength and your love within us, that we can be an effective community to our community of Gladstone and other places that are represented here this morning. Lord, we give you all praise and all honour in Jesus' name. Amen.